But I want to share with you um, the message called Waiting for Breakthrough. Have you ever been in a season where you're waiting for breakthrough? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's always things that we're working on, working through. God is working in us. There are seasons where we are enduring sickness or illness or a virus. There are seasons where, or maybe even years, where we're going through marital strife, difficulty in our homes. Um, We might have an estranged loved one or a son or a daughter that doesn't know Jesus. Um, There's so many different areas in our lives where we are contending for breakthrough. There could be financial issues in our life that we're contending for breakthrough. This morning, I'm not promising you breakthrough, but I'm promising you the presence. That while you're waiting for a breakthrough, God is working. (laughs) When you're waiting for a breakthrough, God is working in you. God is doing something within you. We have been through some illness in our parents' lives. My, my parents have both had things going on the last six months, and, and Sonia's dad, as many of you know, has had a, uh, a heart issue going on. He was in France, and they put a stent in successfully. Um, but when he came back to Canada, he needs more work on his heart. Um, and so last night, Sonia decided to take him to emergency. Um, and she just took him down to VGH. And so in the middle of the night, we're thinking and praying for him, not knowing what's going to happen. But clearly, he's not doing well. And so I, I'm preparing this message. I'm reading over my notes, and we're waiting for a breakthrough. We're waiting for good news. We're waiting for answers. We don't have answers. We don't know what's going on with him. We know it isn't good. And we, we know that with our heart, it's kind of an important you know, organ. And so while we're waiting for a breakthrough, what do we do? Well, we pray. While we're waiting for a breakthrough, we pray, we fast, we listen to God, and we worship. We open up God's word. These are all simple things I'm going to talk about this morning, but in our lives, this is super practical right now. And just before I came up to speak, I just heard that he somehow, everything's okay. He's being released from the hospital. He jumped in a cab. He didn't even wait for a ride. Um, And he's on his way home. I don't know if he's here now. I don't see him, but... um, Now, let me assure you, um, we are still waiting for that breakthrough in his life where we fully understand what is going on, but we have these seasons that feel like night. Do you know what I mean? And there's something about night and something about darkness that you never think it's going to end. Like you can see the army coming at you. You can feel the sickness in your body. And darkness begins to close in. And what the enemy wants to do is keep you in that darkness. He wants the night to last a lifetime. But I want to tell you that God is with you in the darkness, even while you're waiting for a breakthrough. And there will be breakthrough in your life. Amen? Amen. 
there's always waiting before a breakthrough. Sometimes the most intense fighting comes just before the breakthrough. I won't ask you to look around this room, but if you looked around this room, you would see people in deep pain. If you looked around this room, you would see with your spiritual eyes that there are people with broken marriages, terminal illness, suffering from deep demonic oppression, suffering from anxiety and depression, suffering from loneliness, suffering from all kinds of brokenness. If we actually were able to see what's really going on, we would see that here. I was actually challenged right before the service. I was talking to Jonathan for a few minutes and, and we were talking about we want to be the kind of church that when people come, they can share their lives with each other. That we wouldn't be the kind of church where we come and we go and we hear a good message and we hear some good music, but we leave just as broken as when we came in. We leave just as lonely as when we came in. We don't want to be a lonely church. That is not what loving community is. That's not what family is. That's not what friends do. That's not what church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a TED Talk. It's not supposed to be a concert. It's not supposed to be cracker and juice once a month. It's supposed to be community. It's supposed to be, I share my life with you. When Jesus broke the bread, he says, I am breaking my life for you. We too, when we come to church, when we come to this place, we break our lives for each other. We share with each other what's going on. That's why I spend so much time sharing what's going on in my life. And for some of you, I know that's super uncomfortable. I don't care. There's only one way to be me. And if you don't know what's going on in my life, you don't know me. Why would you listen to me if you don't know me? Why would you listen to me if I'm just perfect? If it's just a TED Talk. You know how many times a TED Talk is rehearsed before they get up there for nine minutes? A thousand times probably. So it's super polished. Every second is super prepared. None of what I've shared so far was prepared. <laughs> but I want us to be real, to be genuine, authentic. And we don't learn about brokenness, so we gossip about brokenness. We learn about brokenness to see that in the brokenness we actually fit together. What the church has done with brokenness is people have shared brokenness and brokenness is brought to the prayer meeting and just gossiped about. That's not the kind of brokenness I'm talking about. That kind of brokenness happens when one person doesn't want to show any of their life, but they want to look at someone else's brokenness. We are all broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Newsflash, we're all broken. But in that brokenness, we're fitted together. 
That was all bonus. That was not part of my message. I want to turn to a familiar story for me at least. I love this story, but it's a story that I think we can learn what to do in the waiting for a breakthrough. Turn with me to 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians, chapter 20, verse 1 to 3. It'll be on the screen. It's also on digital notes if you want them. And if I mess up some of these names, oh well. Because there's a lot of names here that are uh, tough to pronounce. You think that they teach you in like, I don't know, when you're getting like your masters that how to pronounce things, but they never teach you how to pronounce them. I still use Google to look it up, so. <laughs> After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meunites and the mosquito bites, just to make sure you're listening, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. <laughs> There's an army coming at them to attack them, and Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord and declared a fast. There's a physical army coming to murder them, and Jehoshaphat has a prayer meeting. I'm not sure, Jehoshaphat, if this is the right time. Let's just do a quick, like, 30-second prayer. And then that army that's coming at us, we're going to have to fight them. No, but what did the leader do immediately? He's seeing the army come at them, and he gets on his knees before God. He gets on his knees before God, and he inquires of the Lord, and then he declares a fast for all of Judah. What do you do when you're alarmed? What do you do when the army's advancing against you? What do you do when darkness is closing in around you? What do you do while you're waiting for a breakthrough? Remember when Jesus' disciples could not cast a demon out of a young boy? Jesus comes along and delivers the boy stating this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. The story comes from Mark chapter 9. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus responds to them. He goes to, to the crowd. He goes to the boy. And he commands the spirit. He says, you deaf and mute spirit, verse 25. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, 
He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind only comes out by prayer. Some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. Think about this scene. A man brings his son to the disciples, and the disciples pray over him. They do all they can to deliver this boy, but they can't. They can't. They bring the boy to Jesus. Jesus casts the demon out of him. No probs, right? It's Jesus. When the demon comes out, the boy looks dead. Think about this. When the demon comes out, the boy looks dead. Why? Because the boy is actually being sustained by the demon. The demon actually is keeping the boy alive. Sometimes we're so used to our darkness, we're so used to our sickness, we're so used to our illness, we're so used to what we're carrying around that we actually feed off of that thing. The demon comes out, the boy is like dead, and Jesus grabs him by the hand and lifts him up. The disciples come to Jesus, just like I go to Jesus. People come to me and they want prayer for healing. People come to me and they want inner healing. People come to me and they want prayer for deliverance. People come to me and they want all kinds of things to be prayed for. And so many times I feel like this disciple. I feel like the ones that prayed for this boy. Because they come to me and guess what they get? They come to me and they get me. They don't get Jesus. And they go away just as broken, just as sick just as oppressed. And I feel like the disciples at times when I I come to God after these moments and it really gets me when it's, you know, children or something. Can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for my son? Sure, I'll bring what little I have to Jesus today. And sometimes we see breakthrough and sometimes we don't. And when we don't, guess what? I know the issue is never on God's end. It's always on my end. And I come to God humbly every single time and I say, God, why couldn't I do it? Jesus responds, this kind, this kind was just too powerful. This kind required prayer and fasting. When you see an enemy approaching you, or sickness has been living in your house for too long. Sometimes you need to pray and fast. What does fasting do? Fasting starves the body to feed the spirit. Fasting is I'm willing to give up something that I desire to hear God speak, to sense God's presence, to inquire of the Lord. So we lay these things down for a period of time. And that fasting starves the flesh to feed the spirit. As I was preparing this message, I 
I felt like the Lord showed me a word of knowledge for someone here. I see someone stuck in a dark tunnel. You feel stuck in your marriage. You don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And you've turned to alcohol to numb the pain, to escape the pain. In fact, you're thinking about drinking right now. If this is you, I'm not going to call you out. But I believe that your freedom and your victory will come out through prayer and fasting. And I just speak life over you in Jesus' name. Prayer and fasting can seem awfully unproductive when an army is advancing. But prayer and fasting gives the battle to the Lord. Prayer and fasting is intentionally you not working or striving. Because God is still working even when you don't see it. Next, in verse 14, what else did Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah do? They listened to the Spirit. This isn't like steps one to three and then you've now waited for your breakthrough. (laughs) This is like from this story and it'll really help you. Listen to the Spirit. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. I love that they make space. Again, an army is coming against them. They pray. They fast, and they make space for the prophetic word. Jehaziel is filled with the Spirit, and he says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. What happens when we choose to listen to the Spirit? This is not a passive step in the battle for breakthrough. Listening to the Spirit is active. Listening to the Spirit is listening for direction. Listening for perspective. Listening for what God is saying over our situation. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jehaziel. And he spoke out over the people. 
Prophet's main calling in life is to encourage the body of Christ. Prophets share the heart of God for the community, for the people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, Paul says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. This is the job description of a prophet. Do you see judgment? Do you see predict end times? Do you see destruction? No. The prophecy, prophecies are meant to strengthen and encourage and comfort. And we see that even in the Old Testament. We see him saying, listen, the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. What a great encouragement for the people. They're watching this army coming against them. They assume many of them will probably die. And the prophet gets up and says, listen, I got this, this crazy thought, but it's from God. So the battle that you're seeing, which is advancing, which we're all probably afraid of, it's not ours. Oh, <laughs> well, that's a relief. It's pretty comforting. I'm not sure what they felt when they heard that, if they thought that's just crazy Jehaziel again. You know, that's just the crazy prophet again. He's always saying stuff like that. But I know they don't do that because I see what they do do. I do see how they respond to that word as we continue. Jehoshaphat bows down before God and the people fell down and worshiped God as well. I love this next section of scripture because the Levites get a little bit unhinged in worship. They actually start a spontaneous worship song. I, I think you're, you start to forget at this point in the story that there's still an army coming against them. You're like, what are they doing here? Is this like encounter on Sunday night at Northside or what? Like last Sunday night, I was laying on the carpet over there. Um, we were just worshiping the Lord. It was so wonderful to be here. Uh, obviously no pressure to be here. You're just missing out on amazing things. <laughs> you know, it's just a time in God's presence, right? Extended worship, encouraging words from each other, prayer. And that's what I think, I feel like they're describing, like a really good prayer and worship night. But we come down to verse 18 of chapter 20. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. I'm not sure that's the best place for somebody who's supposed to be leading these people and an army's coming against him. But to Jehoshaphat, that's the most important thing. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. <laughs> then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. This is their song. <laughs> After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. 
I just got to give you this picture. Jehoshaphat lays down on his face. There's an army. All the people bow down. Come on. Thanks. Left me hanging. Interactive. All the people lay down. Spontaneous worship song pops up. Jehoshaphat consults with the people. What should we do? Doesn't say Jehoshaphat made a decision on his own. They decide to appoint a worship team. You know what I think happened in this consulting with the people is I'm sure the, the, the prophetic word from Jehaziel, the battle's not ours, it's God's. Okay, if the battle's not ours, it's God's, what should we do? I don't know, I guess God's gonna do something. I think God's gonna fight this battle. What should we do? I don't know. Let's worship. Yeah, let's worship him. He's fighting the battle. We should at least worship him. Maybe our worship will help him. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's, let's get a worship team together. Sweet. Let's get some singers. Let's put them in the front of the army. Let's send them out into the battle. All the singers are going, Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> My vocal cords are trained at the finest institutions. I can't go out into battle. I'm going to get killed. No, remember, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. All right, so the worship team goes out ahead of the army. In fact, the worship team is the army. They began to sing and praise. There's an army coming against them, and they're praising Jesus. Not Jesus, Yahweh. They're singing and praising And this is what happens when they sing in praise. The Lord sets ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who are invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, sorry kids, slaughtering means utterly destroy with swords and arrows and worship. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, so here come the worshipers and the army. <laughs> they get to the hill, right? I imagine they can't quite see it yet. So they climb this hill. <laughs> they get to the top of the hill and they look down toward the vast army. And all they see is dead bodies lying on the ground. <laughs> no one escaped. Oh, oh, man. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took two day three days to collect it. 
On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. Wow. The worship team leads, the army follows, they climb to this hill, they look down, and everybody's gone. What I actually think happened, and man, I really want to share a story that Johannes told me this week, which is kind of similar to this, but I won't. I'll let him share it about the power of worship. What I think happened when they worshiped is in the spiritual realm of the enemy, there was confusion. You ever get confused during worship? Distracted, discouraged? You ever been distracted during worship? I have. I'll admit it. What happened to me during that moment of distraction? The enemy distracted me. What worship does, though, on the opposite end of things, is when you worship, it causes confusion in the spiritual realm of the enemy. These armies were confused. The atmosphere changed. As they worshiped the Lord, they literally just killed each other. When they worshiped, the Lord set an ambush. I don't know about you, but in your life right now, you might need a divine ambush from the Lord over your situation. We pray and fast. Listen to the Spirit. Worship God. When they gave the battle to the Lord, it caused confusion in the enemy's camp. God's desire for you is that while you wait, you would actively wait in prayer, fasting, reading God's word. These are not just spiritual principles or disciplines. These aren't just religious activities. When you pray and fast, when you read God's word, when you listen to the spirit, when you worship God, when you do these things, you are saying to God, I give you the battle. And he may change your perspective, your heart, your character, something inside you changes so that while you're waiting, God is working. We come each Sunday and we worship the Lord. And I believe that Northside has a specific anointing on the musical worship that happens here. But I think there's more. I believe that people will be set free and delivered through musical worship. I believe that people will be healed and restored, broken marriages restored. I believe that God will bring people to know him through musical worship. Not just because it says it in 2 Chronicles 20, but if you think about it, that is what we're going to be doing for all of eternity in heaven with Jesus bow down before him, worshiping him, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That is what we will be doing for all of eternity. If we don't, yeah, if, 
you're not loving worship on earth, glory. It's going to be a real surprise for you when you get through the pearly gates. Because it's a worship service for about, well, a zillion quadrillion years. <laughs> God has created worship. Maybe that's, this just came to me, maybe that's why heaven has no sin, has no sickness. Because it's worship, 24-7. Worship, confusion to the enemy. Worship, nothing else can survive in that atmosphere. Worship, a greenhouse of perfection. Worship, only healing can be in that place. Worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing else can penetrate. God bless you. Double portion. Hey? The infamous triple portion? Just two. Triple portion anyway. So this morning during communion, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, we have some tables with cards and pens out. And what we're going to invite you to do as you're um, getting your elements or just before you get your elements is that you would come and write down on a piece of paper and you can fold it or crumple it or put it face down in the basket. But the question you're asking or I'm asking you to write down is what is your battle? What are you seeking God for, for a breakthrough? And we're gonna put these on these cards and keep them in these baskets. And we're gonna pray over them. And in the coming days and weeks and months and years and however long it takes, we're believing God for a breakthrough in your life. And when that breakthrough happens, we want to hear the testimony of it. And it should begin with, I remember on August 6th, 2023, when I wrote my battle down and I put it in that basket. And I'm here to testify of what God has done in my life. Can we do that together this morning? So there's, table, there's three tables with with cards, yeah, so one here, one at the back, and one there, and those all have cards and pens on them, and then we're going to have the greeters who are going to help with distributing the elements, and they're going to be throughout as well with um, the cracker and juice. I believe this is a gluten-free cracker, is that correct? Right there, so that's where the gluten-free is, um, but we're going to do that this morning as we worship the Lord, okay? So I'll pray. Do we have any questions? <laughs> okay. Um, let's just bow our heads in prayer. I want you to imagine that right now you are laying face down before God. I mean, in an effort to just say, I don't even want to look at the battle right now. I'm just going to look to the Lord. I want you to actually visualize and picture yourself laying down before God this morning. Father, we come before you. We have nothing more to give. We can't strive enough to get over this thing. We can't fix it. 
But one thing we can do, God, is we can fix our eyes on you. We can put our faith in you, God. We can pray. Some of us need to pray and fast. Some of us need to listen to your spirit. Some of us need to just worship this morning. And Father, I believe, I believe that breakthrough can happen this morning. I believe that. I have faith for that, Lord. And I pray that for those that experience breakthrough literally in writing down their battle and having communion, I pray that you would touch their lives and bless them, Lord. For those that maybe it's this week they're going to see breakthrough. For those that next month, next year, or 10 years from now, you know, Lord, and one thing that you do for us and one thing that you promise is that we can never be outside of your presence, Lord. And so I pray however long that waiting is, if that waiting is, is seven minutes from now or seven years from now or 70 years from now, I pray that your presence and your power, your grace and your mercy would be felt in every life here and those watching online in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that while we're waiting for a breakthrough, we would know and trust that you are working. The battle belongs to the Lord. And if we've held on to it for too long, we give it back to you, Jesus. This is your battle. And these are your children. And this morning you want your children to give you their battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.